I, get, I have the privilege of closing our uh, four-week series on giving and finances. I think it's kind of funny that uh, I'm closing because I'm a grad student and I don't have any money. So it's kind of ironic that I'll be teaching on this. But uh, if you notice on the back of your sheet, uh, I've titled this uh, Giving as Obligatory Grace. And uh, that seems like a contradiction in terms, and I intended it that way. Uh, because, well, how is something that's grace, a free will gift, obligatory? Um, and uh, I just want to start with a common uh, analogy there, analogy that uh, you're all familiar with, which is the holidays. The holidays are full of a strange paradox where we all rush around to find perfect gifts for our loves, loved ones. <clears throat> and uh, you want to buy a gift for your parents, your spouse, significant other, siblings, and you genuinely want to find the right gift for them because you love them and you want to bless them. Yet, society has kind of obligated you to do this because otherwise, if you, don't get, if you forget to buy a gift for your spouse, you're a really bad spouse. <laughs> or you're just not a good son or a good daughter because you haven't gotten a gift for your, your beloved parents. Now, it's kind of strange because you genuinely want to get, uh, bless them, but that's because society kind of has pushed you this way. This is how you show your love to your family at this time of year. You get them gifts. But that doesn't negate uh, that these are genuine free will gifts. Now, um, we're going to look at two chapters. I know that's a lot. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, but these, uh, these two chapters probably have the best uh, principles for giving, and Paul frames it exactly like this. He says, this should be a completely free will offering. This should be a completely a gift that you decide and cheerfully want to give. But it's kind of your oblig obligatory response to God. Um, it's kind of I think it's really funny the way he frames it. Um, <clears throat> so he we have we're going to look at these two chapters, just make some uh, some points that they draw about uh, giving principles in general. Um, so turn with me. I'll be teaching from the. Tree of Life, so my version will be slightly different, uh, but then it'll also give you an obligation to give towards uh, these new Bibles. And you can hear how it sounds as well. Um, so turn with me to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And the context here is that Paul is writing to, uh, well, the Corinthians, uh, discussing what's called the collection. Um, and the collection, in scripture at least, is a gift from several different Gentile congregations to the poor saints in Jerusalem. So it's a specific gift, um, and this gift was specifically intended to establish a, fellowship, a bond of fellowship um, between Jews and Gentiles, as you see in Romans 15. Um, so he's explaining how they should give and why they should give. Um, so that's the context, and I'm gonna, we're just going to work our way through these two chapters and just make a couple, couple key points. So starting in verse 1. Now we make known to you, brothers and sisters, the grace God has given to Messiah's communities in Macedonia, that in much testing by affliction, their abundance of their joy, or the abundance of their joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For I testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, they gave of their own free will, begging us with much urging for the favor of sharing in the relief of the Kedoshim, of the Holy Ones. Uh, moreover, it was not just we who had hoped, we had, it was not just as we had hoped, but they gave of themselves first to the Lord, and then to us, in keeping with God's will. 
So we urge Titus that, just as, he, just as he had made a start before, so he should also complete this gracious service for you. So he just starts almost by, uh, he starts citing the Macedonians, who are a different group, they're not the Corinthians, but he cites them as an example, saying this is, look at what they did, you should follow their lead, basically. Um, and he says that they gave joyfully, uh, they gave in the abundance of their joy, even in their extreme poverty. So they gave what they could. Uh, but it's also important to note that they gave out of their ability, um, and even beyond their ability. He doesn't say they made themselves even more destitute um, by their giving. They gave as they could, and even beyond as they could. Um, but as you see in verse six or verse five, that the reason they were willing to give so cheerfully and abundantly, you know, proportionally speaking, uh, is because they had given themselves to the Lord first. They devoted themselves to God, and then they devoted themselves to this specific gift. Um, and, th- and he says that this is keeping with God's will. And uh, then he makes this comment about verse 6, that he sent Titus there to help them carry this out. Um, so Titus is now with the Corinthians to help them carry out this giving. Um, and now let's move down to 7 through 15. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, also excel in this grace. I am saying this not as a command, but I am trying to prove by the diligence of others the genuineness of your love as well. For you know that the grace of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, that even though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Now I give my opinion in this matter, that it is a credit to you that a year ago you were the first to start, not only to do, but even to be willing, but now finish doing it, so that just as there was eagerness to be willing, so also to finish it, out of what you have. For if the eagerness is present, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he doesn't have. For it is not relief for others and hardship for you, but as a matter of equality. Your abundance at, this, at the present time meets their need, so that their abundance may also meet your need, so that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Uh, so the general gist here is, he says, you guys said you were going to give, follow through, follow through. Uh, and this is where you have the idea of obligatory free giving. Um, he says, not as a command. He emphasizes, I'm not ordering you to do this. Um, but you should follow through because you said you were going to do it. So he, he basically exhorts them to follow the model of Messiah. He basically goes, um, I'm not telling you to do this, but just look at what Yeshua did for you. He was rich, and so he gave so that you might become rich. So you should kind of do the same. But he says, I'm not commanding you. I'm not telling you. Just, just laying that out there. Uh, he says that Yeshua has given them all they need spiritually so that they are to live out good works. It says, as you grow in speech, in deed. He also seems to include there, grow in giving, in generosity. Um, and so uh, in this chapter and throughout, 
he uses the word grace. Uh, he'll, we'll talk about it a little more in chapter 9. That grace is what God gives us, and this is what we should give to others, or give back, basically. Um, and grace is a free will gift. It's not anything owed. Um, and ultimately, the example there to follow is Messiah, um, who gave up his riches, his spiritual riches, uh, to help alleviate our spiritual poverty. That he left his place in heaven, came down, sacrificed himself, so that we may have relationship with God, and we may become spiritually rich. Um, and so he gives us this free will, unmerited favor, this gracious bestowal of a, as a divine benefactor, if you will. Um, and so we should respond likewise. Uh, in this society, there's the idea of social reciprocity. It still kind of exists today. Um, when the idea that if somebody does something for you and somebody gives you something, the way you show your thanks is doing something for them. So the way he frames it is really kind of this is your response to your divine benefactor. He has blessed you with abundance of riches, so respond in a like manner. Uh, and he also cites that you guys had already promised to give. Uh, you Corinthians uh, were really eager and said a year ago that you were to give, um, but you haven't done it yet. So follow through with your commitment. Um, and he then alludes to the Torah, saying that uh, this is a matter of equality. He's not advocating, you know, pure, everyone has the same amount, but rather that there's general equality, that in the community of God there should be no one who's destitute. There's nobody who has uh, dire needs in the community of God. That's why he cites uh, the, uh, the collection of manna, that everyone should have just enough in God's community. So, you who have plenty should help give to alleviate those um, who don't have a lot. But again, to give out of your ability. Don't, it's not the idea of making yourself completely destitute for the sake of others. It's giving as you can. Uh, and then we'll, re, or we'll skip over 16 through 24. The gist of 16 through 24 is that he sends Titus to them, along with a delegation, to go handle this collection, to handle this gift, because he doesn't want them to be discredited by, by not following through. And he also doesn't want uh, any accusations of extortion to come up. So uh, Titus and this group kind of function for accountability for them to make sure that they are giving, but at the same time accountability for Paul and the people receiving so that this is handled rightly. And he also reminds them in this portion that he doesn't want his boast in them because he's been telling everyone they were so eager to give. They volunteered so much. Um, he doesn't want to be proved wrong, so he says, follow, follow through with what you said. Um, and the, so we'll go down to chapter 9, uh, where, and I'll read 1 through 5. Now about this service to the Kedoshim, it is indeed unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness. I boast about it to the Macedonians, that Achaia has been prepared for, preparing for, almost, for a year already, and for your zeal has been stirred up in most of them. Uh, but I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not be in vain in this case. 
so that you may be prepared, just as I kept saying. Otherwise, if any Macedonians were to come and find you unprepared, we, not to, er, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in this undertaking. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on to you and arrange ahead of time for your generous gift that had been promised beforehand, so that it would, not, would be ready as a gift, not as extortion. Uh, it's kind of funny what he does there. He uh, again reminds them of the Macedonians, but kind of to provoke them to competition. It's like they gave in this way, and you guys were so eager. And I was telling them about how awesome you were prepared to give. Uh, don't prove me wrong. <laughs> um, and this is why he sends the group. Uh, he encourages them to follow through and emphasizes that this is a gift. This is you were so eager to give generously as you chose. It's not because we coerced you to it. It's just because you wanted to give. So follow through. And then he continues on in verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one give as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is basically the summary of everything here. You reap what you sow. Uh, if you give much, you'll receive much is the idea. Um, and he's drawing this from the Torah. This is basically what God has told his people throughout time. Um, but he emphasizes that you must give cheerfully. And because you decide to give. Not because anyone's forcing you. Not because God is strong-arming you. It's because this is how you respond to your divine benefactor. Um, and because you chose to and you give cheerfully. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Um, and that way, it truly is grace. It truly is a free will gift of just a generous offering that you decide to give according to how much you decide to give. Um, he's not saying you need to give this amount. Just give as you decide and as you can. Because um, God loves one who gives, gives cheerfully and generously. Uh, and then he gives, explains on that reason more in verse 8 through 11. And God is able to make all grace, again that word grace, overflow to you, so that, you may, so that by always having enough of everything, you may overflow in every good work. As it is written, he scattered wise, widely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all generosity. For through, for, for through us brings about thanksgiving to God. Um, the reason they should be so ready to give and so generous to give is because God has provided all of their needs. He uses grace this time, not in a spiritual manner, but in a material manner. God has provided you for your needs. So, uh, and God will continue to provide. So keep sowing, keep using your material goods uh, for his purpose, and he'll continue to provide for your needs. Um, so, as we've been saying, because God gives grace, you should give grace. In both a spiritual, relational sense, but also in a material, tangible way. Because um, God is the provider. And if God is abundant in grace, we can be confident that if we're abundant in grace, he'll respond with abundant grace. Um, and he also notes that God will bless those who give righteously and specifically out of thanksgiving. That this gift should be also a response of thankfulness. 
Um, we see throughout the Torah that there's so many free will offerings, uh, first fruits, so many holidays where uh, the people would give a portion of their harvest uh, to the Levites, to those ministering spiritually, and enjoy them with God because they recognize God has blessed us so let's celebrate with him and respond in thanksgiving. Um, and more specifically, giving also res- results in worship. More than just thanksgiving, uh, give, uh, giving results in worship. He sums this up in 12 through 15 when he says, For this service of giving is not only supplying the needs of the Kedoshim, but is also overflowing with many thanksgiving to God. Because of the evidence of this service, they praise God for the obedience of your affirmation of the good news of, mes- of the Messiah and for the generosity of your contribution to them and to everyone. And in their prayer for you, they long for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks to God for his indescribable gift. Uh, when, when we give, uh, it provides for the needs who are those who are lacking, is what he's summing up. That this group that they're giving to has a need, and so they will respond in thanksgiving to the group, to God, but also they'll respond in worship. Um, and that the giver himself honors God with what he's doing. Uh, Philippians kind of frames this uh, talking about how their monetary gift was fragrant, a sweet fragrance to God. He uses sacrificial worship language. Um, That this idea that giving monetary gifts can be an act of worship. Um, Especially when they're done out of thanksgiving in free will, cheerfully, and in response to uh, God's provision. Uh, So there's a lot of key points for giving here that uh, Paul sums up for us. And I know he's specifically citing the collection for uh, for the poor saints in Jerusalem. We can see that there's a lot of principles that we can draw and apply today uh, for how we should approach giving to, uh, our, to this community. So first, as I've repeated a lot, he calls their giving grace or a favor, a goodwill offering that's really uh, undeserved and not... Uh, that they just decide to give. And this is just what God bestows upon us. Um, this unmerited, unsolicited gift is how we should respond to our divine benefactor who has made us rich, uh, who's made us spiritually rich, but also has provided for our material needs. Um, but it also shows that uh, give cheerfully. Don't give begrudgingly um, or be out of compulsion. But give because you decide to. Um, and also, he teaches, he advises them to give proportionally, to give out of their own ability, both in their wealth and, and surplus, but also when they don't have as much. But don't be foolish with your giving. Uh, you don't need to ruin your bank account in, by giving. Just give wisely and in proportion to what you can do. And if you can go above and beyond, do it, just like the Macedonians did. Um, Later or earlier in his first epistle, he even encourages them to put some money on the side uh, in 1 Corinthians 16 uh, because just this is wise and that will help them carry out their commitment to giving. Um, and a lot of, and we also have to keep in mind that a lot of this giving was to alleviate the needs of others. Um, there are a lot of people who uh, put time and effort into making a community like this run and. So when they're putting all their time and effort into making a community like this run, they don't have a lot of time to uh, work a second job. (laughs) So 
uh, it alleviates them. It also alleviates members in the community who are um, struggling financially, who have just hit hard times. Uh, this is why we have the Rosh Kodesh Fund. So what do we do from here? Just There's a ton of principles. They should spell themselves out. Uh, so to give sacrificially, but to give out of your ability. Um, nobody's saying you have to give this amount. Give as much as you can without ruining yourself. Um, be wise as you give. And give cheerfully to spiritual leaders and the poor in the community. Um, and decide that you want to give and decide how much to give. And set some money aside regularly. And most importantly, like he kept reminding uh, the Macedonians, is follow through with your promises to give. If you keep, I know I have this huge problem because I keep saying, all right, I need to be giving, I need to be giving, but then haven't been. And so I need somebody like Rabbi Glebe to prod me and say, hey, you said you're going to do this. By working here, by doing these things, you've said you're going to, you've committed to give to support this community. Um, so it is good to have somebody who will keep you accountable when you've already decided and committed to give to help you follow through. Uh, just in conclusion, I heard a funny story. I thought it was kind of funny, a story at Moody where um, one of this subject came up in one of uh, a friend's classes, and he was talking about giving. And so the student asked, okay, I hear what you're saying, but we're college students. We have no money. What do you, what do you expect? What, how much should we give? And the professor goes, can you give $5? Yeah. Can you give $10? Yeah. Can you give $20? Yeah. Can you give $30? No, that's a little too much. Then you give $20. You give $20. <laughs> All of us have something to contribute, and it really does make an enormous difference. And we should be giving cheerfully and uh, freely in the same way that Messiah Yeshua, our divine benefactor, did.